Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To, the podcast that looks back at a year in film and sees what films endured, what films didn't, and attempts to figure out why. Please give it up for your masters of ceremony, Max Salim and Nick Mestad. Been looking good. Okay. What's up, you <clears throat> pumpkin pie haircut freak? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, put product in my hair today, so I feel like that is somewhat applicable. Uh, hello and welcome to the Oscar Went To. This week is a supplement to our 1994 episode. We are getting our scuba gear on and doing a deep dive into the 1994 hit film, Dumb and Dumber, directed by Peter Fairley. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Max. Uh, on this podcast, we like to look back in a year in film and decide what has aged well and what hasn't and try to figure out why. If that sounds interesting to you, jump back a few episodes in our feed and check out our recap of 1994. And then after that, uh, we like to jump into the depths and take a closer look at some of the films that piqued our interest from a given year. It can be something that was popular that year or something that has emerged as a film that has endured over time, whether cult status or just has emerged as a, a very popular film from that year. Quick disclaimer, our deep dive episodes are no holds barred and we will absolutely get into spoiler territory. So in the off chance that you have not seen Dumb and Dumber and you would like to see Dumb and Dumber without it being spoiled, be sure to check out Dumb and Dumber before you listen to the rest of this podcast because boy, oh boy, will we be spoiling Dumb and Dumber from here on out. All right, without further ado, uh, we will get right into it and we have a very special guest on our show today. He is a very close friend of mine, one of the funniest people I know. Uh, he wrote for Saturday Night Live. Uh, we go way back to our Chicago improv days. Uh, the very talented, the very wonderful Eli Coyote Mandel. Welcome, Eli. What's up, dudes? Thanks for having me. Very much Thanks appreciate for being, being on, here. dude. My yeah. pleasure. Thank you. It's nice to have some uh, a couple comedians on this episode, too. Give us a little yuck, context. Yuck, yuck. Yeah. I hope you two are pretty funny. Yeah, get your laughing shoes on, everyone. Yeah, I have my I have my um, um, extendo pointer, and I will be confirming or denying what parts of this film are in fact funny. <laughs> okay, well let's uh, let's get right into it. I'll just set the table a little bit uh, here. So, Dumb and Dumber. Um, fuck, let me just pull it up real quick. It's starring Jim Carrey. Oh, that's it. <laughs> okay, I, I was thinking James Cagney. Uh, so just to set the table a little bit, Dumb and Dumber was released on December 6, 1994. It currently holds a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it went on to be the number seventh highest grossing film of 1994 with a domestic, or sorry, with a worldwide gross of $247 million. As we said in our 1994 episode, this was sort of the cherry on top of the unprecedented year and rise to fame that Jim Carrey had uh, with Ace Ventura coming out in March, The Mask coming out in July, and then this coming out in the holiday season and being the um, biggest uh, earner of, of the three. Um, so I'm super excited uh, to get into this uh, without revealing too much. This is as I'm sure is evident in, in our 1994 episode, this is one of my favorite comedies, if not one of my favorite movies uh, of all time, and I'm excited to get into it with you guys. So just to get started, I want to just say, like, what was your first, do you have a memory of, like, first seeing this movie? Was it, like, in theaters? Was it on video? Like, what was the what was the context of your, your introduction to this film? After you guessed. Um, I, I'm trying to think, like, it, it seems like an omnipresent thing in my life because I don't think that I would have seen it in theaters. So, But it was... Definitely like, and I don't even think we owned the DVD, but it was certainly like the number one rent this movie, like when you go to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. Yes, it was like, oh, is it Dumb and Dumber week? Yeah, it's time to get Dumb and Dumber. And so I would watch it like quite often. I was surprised like rewatching it, how much, like I must not have seen it in a few years, even though it feels like I know every single second of the movie, there was still a bunch of stuff that surprised me in it, so... Yeah, that that rings true. I feel like that's like a fairly a fairly universal experience with like a fairly universal experience. A fairly brothers. I promise jokes on this episode. So <laughs> yeah, and you two are delivering right on time. Max, what was your what was your introduction to this movie? I uh, I, I might need to confirm this with a family member, but I want to say that I saw this on Christmas Day of. Uh, 1994 <laughs> in theaters. Wow. It was like a Christmas afternoon family outing. Oh my God. That makes me so jealous to, to envision like <laughs> snow falling outside after opening <laughs> gifts and being like, let's check out this, uh, what's going to turn out to be a classic comedy. That's great. Did your family like it? Because I remember, well, I, go ahead. Did your family like it? I don't remember if my family liked it, but it has, Cut. it has always been sort of a tradition to 
go see easy movies on Christmas for my family. I like that. I like that. You don't go see like super heavy stuff, a lot of comedies, a lot of action movies, this sort of thing. That's fun. I like that tradition, something palatable and and light. I I love that. I I, rewatching this movie this week, similar to kind of what you said, Eli, I did find that like I almost thought like I could get away with not rewatching. I'm like, well, I know well enough like to like be able to reference it. I'm like, no, of course I have to watch it. And watching it, it was like very similar of like, it's been so long since I've seen the movie because it's just been, I've seen it countless times as a kid growing up and watching it this time a renewed appreciation for the elements of the movie. But just to set the context, I saw this movie in theaters. I remember like kind of late run with my dad and brother. And then this is a movie that we would go over to my cousin's house. Like my, like my aunt, who's my mom's sister, we would go over to their, their house. They live nearby and we would go over there like on Friday and Saturday nights all the time. And our families would just hang out. And dumb and dumber was rented by my mom and aunt like, maybe 10 times and this movie they would be in the living like we would watch we watched the movie i remember like as like a like families and then like for weeks on end i just it's like a a a a huge touchstone for me that my mom and aunt are just by themselves away from the family watching dumb and dumber (laughs) in the room and rewinding and rewinding and rewinding parts and like crying laughing and that is a seminal memory for me and truthfully we're going to get very like you know therapist about it it is certainly like a reference point for me being a comedian because it was it like laughter was like the 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 highest valued thing in like my family Hmm. and Jim Carrey was the funniest person alive in my family and so I think that that's like informed a lot of my life and so this movie is uh is just holds like kind of like an unbreakable place in it so it was hard to come at this movie in any sort of objective way so I'm kind of throwing my hands up so you know listeners that like I know this movie is like baked uh, into my being so I you know this is a lot of nostalgia coming through I'd be curious to uh you, you say that you would rewind this movie and that I remember as a kid always wanting to rewind movies and I think I do it very seldomly now so let me ask our guest Eli what is the most rewindable scene in this movie for you? You know what? I, I was thinking about this when I was watching it because the the scene that I, when I was a kid that I would think about all the time and now it kind of like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, that's not great. Except for, oh, the scene is when Harlan Williams, or, is that his name? Harlan Williams? Yeah. When he drinks the piss? Like, that, when I was a kid, that was like the scene. It was like, there's a scene where the cop drinks piss and, <laughs> and he thinks it's a beer and he drinks it, but it was piss the whole time. <laughs> But, but but now rewatching and so I think I would like go back and watch him drink the piss again. Uh, but now it was like, oh, uh, oh, cool, he drinks. Uh, and when it started, I was like, oh, he's just gonna drink piss. That's not that funny. But then his performance, yes. actually, when he like the double takes and the triple takes that he does, <laughs> realizing that it's he's drinking pee instead of beer. Uh, yeah, so that's my answer. That's the most reliable. <laughs> That's fantastic. Little piggy drinks piss. Never gets old. (laughs) Max, what was what? Did you have the instinct to rewind on this rewatch? Any parts? And if so, what? I, I, you know, I don't. I remember as a kid being way more into like the slapsticky things, Mm -hmm. which they they don't land as well for me anymore. I'm not saying I'm so sophisticated now or I'm above it, but just like it it doesn't have me keeling over like it used to. But I did find Mm -hmm. myself really in awe of some of like the comedic timing and more of just like the reaction shots. So maybe you could even say the editorial timing, <laughs> but there's a few times that I, uh, I had to jump back 10 seconds and just watch like a close up reaction shot. You know what, the, what? One reaction that was like off the chain for me is when, um, uh, Jeff Daniels re- has to poop. Yes. <laughs> there's just when he just, there's like a gurgle noise and then his face just like loses all like character at all. He completely drops character or any sort of like human uh, facade and it just goes, oh no. <laughs> yes. I, wh- 100%. That was the biggest thing that like jumped out to me watching it uh, this week was. It, 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 to, to me, it's the the performances because it's it, it's a really interesting point that you make, Eli, with like the piss scene where it's like that is I would say one of the few laughs that Jim Carrey or Jeff Daniels isn't responsible for, and it is like kind of like I like watching it now. I'm like, oh yeah, that's like kind of funny, but I it's like kind of that thing. It's like you know it so well that it kind of like wears down. Whereas for me, kind of opposite of you, Max, I was about to say the slapstick that like Jim Carrey is this movie. I mean, and it is wild watching them like. 
boy, like if you, if an audience like doubted him previously of like with Ace Ventura and the Mask, like it was like undeniable at this point. Cause like what he is bringing to every single moment <laughs> that he is in <laughs> is really uncanny. It's like, it feels like super, like it's like just natural and it's like very original and huge. Like his, um, <laughs> I rewound a couple of parts. One of which was him with like the the airbag, obviously, like that was something that was like, you know, a classic moment from him. <laughs> it's just, it really is so funny. But something that I've never noticed before, uh, two moments that like stood out this viewing that never really did before, particularly like when he, after the, the cut, when he gets robbed by the woman on the motorized cart. So that sequence of like, you know, he insults her and then it kind of has her kind of like, oh, brother face. And then it just cuts to him entering the apartment. But that cut when they it with him entering the apartment is like Harry before he even opens the door. Harry is just sitting on the couch, like just staring like <laughs> he's just like presumably just been like sitting there on the couch like a Neanderthal, just staring at nothing. And Jim Carrey walks in and like it just is, like turns around, slams the door and just like collapses, like just like a fucking cartoon, just sobbing. It is like it's it's. It's just theater. It's just like the fucking best timing performance. And like, there's so much of that throughout the movie where I found myself watching it this time being like, I wonder what this script, how it read, because like so much of this movie is Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. And like, without having any ounce of like difference there, it's like, I don't know how this movie reads, if it would be funny or if it would read as just like a like kind of unoriginal, uninspired comedy. Like, I don't know. And so I found myself like the performances are so singular that, that yeah, that's interesting you say that because I think it wouldn't be very funny because and you got you two can speak to this as as writers to me it doesn't seem like the humor is really baked into the writing in the same way as you might laugh reading like a Coen Brothers script where like the wit is baked into the words on the page where I don't know like if you were reading the script if you would laugh much at all but it does these two actors do execute. You know, one thing that I noticed about that watching it this time was, and, and it's like the way that the whole piss bottle scene gets constructed yeah. and like just the way that they set up certain things, like, cause that previous scene was one that I was like, what exactly is the joke here? And then it doesn't pay off until the next scene The when they're in the diner and then the, there's like the jerk farmers that, you know, sea bass, sea bass, sea bass. Sea bass. Yeah. 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 I don't know. They just set a bunch of things up in that scene that kind of get paid off. But I'm, I was like, what's the point of this? Is this just to have another scene? Because nothing in here is like absolutely hilarious. And then like that leads to like the the next scene. And then, then there's that funny joke of uh, and this is one of the few like written jokes in there, too. Where that's like that made me laugh. It's like, well, what happened at the end of the movie? Dude, they caught up to them and they slit his throat. <laughs> that thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was like as much of a payoff, but it is like it does seem like more of a movie where it's like, oh, this the uh, the you get a thrill from watching it rather than like reading it. Like I'm sure some movies are like you can laugh at it on the page, but this is just like it's not going to make sense until you see the funniest man in the world do it. You know, one hundred percent. Let me drop something in about the sea bass uh, scene, and I I just read this. And- and I read it sort of in passing, so I might have some details wrong here, but apparently that was a scene from a movie called Something Wild that huh. Jeff Daniels was in in 1986. So it was like a nod or an homage back to that film. Oh, so that's what that's the movie Jim Carrey then is or or Lloyd is then referencing in the car. Wow. Man. wow. Always interesting territory when like something is a reference to something. It's like that's like Wayne the Wayne's World like graduate parody where it's like I feel like a whole generation was like that's just funny on its own, and then years later like we're like oh that was a reference like for something to work <laughs> as a reference like something that is a reference to work for people who don't aren't familiar with the reference is pretty incredible. And territory. also like for a movie that then becomes like a really huge like cultural icon yes, to reference really. a movie that was not a huge cultural icon right and yeah yeah it becomes yeah it's like you're watching the graduate and being like oh man they copied wayne's world <laughs> that's like yeah. the every episode of the simpsons for me growing up was that's like that. that's how i learned about the world was from asking my mom about things that happened in the simpsons i didn't know apocalypse <laughs> now was based on the simpsons <laughs> yeah. have you guys seen this this uh, citizen kane movie a ton of simpsons references in there <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal Okay, do we want to like get into scenes here? Because I, I have like a couple that I'm like, 
I, well, I guess it's just like warrant saying like another sequence that I found truly stunning was when they're at the 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 uh, roadside uh, restaurant with the v- villain druggy oh, yeah. guy and they eat the hot peppers like this is like one this is like one shot and it's just like set up like a everything just like in frame uncut and it's when when they eat the peppers and just like the goddamn perform like the timing of it where it's just like yeah not bad like two seconds no indication and just like on a hairpin they're just like in so much pain and the the work that they're doing with the ketchup yes, and mustard bottles is stunning like <laughs> like like what you're watching is like you have like I want I want my eyes to like walleye and be able to watch Jeff Daniels <laughs> and Jim Carrey at the same time on opposite ends of the frame because like like Jeff Daniels just like spraying his face and, and then you're wondering over. like okay that's so funny how is Jim Carrey gonna make that funnier and then he sprays it directly up my in the air and then God. tries to catch it with his tongue and then just and just has it all over and is going like it is. I rewound that three times watching it this week, and like it is, it's stunning. It's stunning. It's insane. Uh, and again, I don't know like what that looks like in the script and words, but it's like again, so much <laughs> of the performance like is. It is interesting too, like because this is the Fairly Brothers' like first like big feature and kind of seeing what they become with Kingpin and something about Mary and the whole slew. Of, I mean, whole slew of comedies. They develop a brand, a strong brand, and. Dumb and Dumber, like, you can see that. Like, to me, one of their trademarks is, like, kind of the physical enactment of, like, classic jokes, or at least classic joke structures, where it's, like, guy walks into a bar and, like, sits down and this happened. Like, it's, like, set up, payoff, set up, payoff, and it's, like, very traditional, like, sort of, like, kind of, like, bar room jokes that you would, like, share with, with like, your buddies. Yeah, very old-timey stuff that, like, kind of that could, could be considered hacked, and they actually made a whole movie uh, based entirely on these old hacky jokes called Green Book. Oh, <laughs> sly dog! One of the one of the movies that uh, I would say got us to start this podcast. Yeah. Dare I say? So this is like this is kind of a nice uh, um, um, serendipitous moment coming around to Dumb and Dumber. Anyway, um, you cut that joke out of, <laughs> and I would suggest it. We're actually going to turn the volume up on it in the edit. Uh, another scene that, uh, if I may bring one up, Please. but that the dream, the sequence of when he's when Lloyd's driving the car, the just the fantasy sequence of all oh. the dates that he's going to go on. That was one that like maybe I forgot how long that was for one. Yeah, it's like a fifteen minute sequence, yes, yeah. but it's, every part is so funny. Just mm-hmm. I think it's always funny to see what a character thinks the real world is or what. what yes. As a good, and where he just beats the shit out of everybody in the restaurant. Like, so, like, first of all, a waiter starts kissing his girlfriend's arm, and then he beats the shit out of literally everybody. And he looks so cool doing it. And then there's just one part where he gets the shit beat out of him in his own fantasy. Oh. And then the jokes that he's like telling to the group that's cracking everyone up are like the most asinine, like, common denominator. Shit. That's what I always think. Like there was a time when I thought when I was stoned that I was like really like working the room well. And I always reference that, um, that, that imagination, like not with those jokes, but that's how I, that's how on I thought I was when I was stoned. And the, just how wild every, the thing that sells that scene is how wild everyone else is laughing. They're yeah. going absolutely insane. Yeah. Just loving it when he throws like the nuts in his face and is like, nom, 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 nom. like, like it's just fucking, it's great. It also is a really nice sequence too, where like it goes on long enough where you kind of forget that you're in a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And then so it's like when, when the, like the headlights come in, it is like a very like nice, like uh, really nice, like territory of, of like uh, bringing it back. Also, if like we're going by that rule of like, I don't know where I heard, but it's like, if a movie has three good scenes, it's a like, if it has three great scenes, it's a good movie. Like this movie really fucking rides, man. Like mm-hmm. it, like it, there's very few moments that like suck really. Even by the end, when we kind of get to the, like you know having like resolved the plot elements of it, it like remains very funny. And I think it, it just goes back to Jim Carrey, like how much he's bringing to this role because it's like you can't take your eyes off of him. And like some behind the scenes trivia, he was he did uh, famously um, Ace Ventura came out and was a hit, and he was able to renegotiate his check for this movie or for his salary for this movie from like 
like I think he was making like something like like he was making six figures for this role, and he renegotiated it to seven million dollars. Oh and do you know uh, what Jeff Daniels made for? This I do, film? but go ahead. Yes, I mean, <laughs> un, inarguably the co-star of the movie. Like mm -hmm. I think Jim Carrey Absolutely. probably steals the show, but like it is a buddy mm -hmm. comedy. Yep. And Jeff Daniels at this point, we just saw him in Speed. We just swooned over Jeff Daniels in Speed a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and he made 50,000 Jim Carrey yes. 7 million. Dude, Jeff Daniels has a story where he, he like auditioned for the role and like was like kind of on the line and it wasn't sure if he was going to make it up until the first day of shooting and finished the first like day or week of shooting and it was still up in the air whether or not he had the role and he was in his trailer getting makeup and Jim Carrey came in and kind of was just like like I said something to him that like just was like a tip of the hat of like don't worry you got the part huh. but it was like that close like that like un insane. unknown and which is like wild to watch it because it's like it is obviously it's Jim Carrey's movie but it's their movie it doesn't work without Jeff Daniels and Jeff Daniels has the diarrhea scene he has the snowball like to the face scene the tongue the, the tongue, tongue the tongue thing that's another seminal moment absolutely yeah that's like a trailer moment that's yeah. like yeah that's an all-time that's just yeah that's a mount rushmore moment from this I movie i heard a thing where they were saying that like they wanted to pair him with like a real actor like a really good actor and i think it just works so well because yeah i don't know i think jeff daniels also said he based his kind of performance off of like a dumb dog <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> uh I I heard that he to pr like before like every take or just to get into character he would like shake his head yeah yeah like really hard <laughs> to get just kind of like numb, uh, which is fantastic. I mean he's great and like it is that tricky thing of like because Jim Carrey is so good that it's easy to lose sight of like how great. But if there was another person like w trying to one up Jim Carrey or like if it was another comedian and there's yeah. like the the competition there of like trying to make better jokes or whatever, it's just gonna be garbage so i think you needed this you tr needed a true beta cuck to be in the other part so. <laughs> i mean that is a sign of like a great actor and great like comedic yes. partner to like just like set up and just like mm -hmm. let the other one have it and like, it that's... is good on the fairly brothers for giving him like his stuff too i mean it's not like he's a nobody and a i mean he's an amazing actor and really for sure I don't know, so. and has been like you know he was in terms of endearment like over a decade before <laughs> this like he's an established mm -hmm. fairly prestige actor um his agent, I guess, did tell him not to take the part because it would ruin his career, which famous, I mean, famous Hollywood. He booked if. Fly Away Home right after this, so you can't really argue with that. <laughs> Do you remember that movie? I remember the trailer for that movie. That was on, I think I had Indian in the cupboard on VHS and Fly Away Home. <laughs> and here, here's, here's like, here's a little pocket of trivia. In the trailer for Fly Away Home that was attached to Indian in the cupboard VHS, Fly Away Home was titled Flying Wild. Weird. I swear to God. Side note on Weird. that: there was a movie that uh, that was in the trailer, or the trailer before the Ninja Turtles one VHS for a movie that I've I've looked for it and I don't think it exists. But yeah. it, like a whole movie that, that like yeah. my sister and I were always like, we should watch this movie sometime because we've seen the trailer for it a million times and it just doesn't exist. Interesting, because I just want to go off on this. This is a nice little pocket here of trailers that were on the VHSs that we had, because A, this is like maybe ground zero for the Mandela effect, because it's just oh, wow. like, it's just that thing of like, hey, do you remember this thing? Or did I misremember this thing? Hey, did you know that Flyway Home was originally titled Flying Wild on the Indian in the Cupboard VHS? Because I have one with the Ninja Turtles where it was like uh, a Hulk Hogan, Christopher yes. Lloyd vehicle called yes. Suburban Commando. Yes, Suburban Commando. Yes. Absolutely. And that was a movie that I have since like looked up because I'm like, what was that movie? I've never heard of it outside of that. But I, okay. Are you kidding me? This is the 90s. I'm going to sue you. Wow. I don't even, I, I couldn't even tell you if that was from the movie. That's, that's from the that's trailer in, of the movie. No, anyway. I'm, I, no I, 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 I picked up on that. That's like a, an insane good memory. Just trailers, trailers on a home video seems so bizarre <laughs> yeah. to think about. Like I haven't thought about it for one second it, yeah. until we started talking about this. Can you imagine if you like put your iTunes rental on or something like that and you had to sit through like <laughs> 12 minutes of, of upcoming features? <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say there is an immense comfort to that now. There are, I have stumbled upon in my YouTube journeys there's a genre of uh, sub, 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 sub genre of YouTube video that is here are the trailers that were attached to the Aladdin VHS. Wow. And, you know, you get all of these sounds and stuff. And I will say I had I had major 
flashbacks when the New Line Cinema logo popped up uh, mm-hmm. in this movie with that. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, this is great. And on the mask VHS, there is a trailer for Dumb and Dumber coming out soon on video, which is just a testament to how insane again this moment was for Jim Carrey that that like you're it's like a huge movie the mask and it's like and also be on the lookout for the other huge comedy of 1994 also starring the same actor in the movie you're about to watch that's great um pretty incredible that being said I remember the trailer moments from Dumb and Dumber being the tongue uh yeah most annoying sound in the world (laughs) um which is insane to watch and I heard that Jim Carrey improvised uh that moment which I feel like I'm just like just like truly brown nosing Jim Carrey, like to a point where listeners might just want to like turn off at this point. He's gonna hear you, and he's gonna give you a compliment back. It is like it is wild that like it's like to feel individual in my love for Jim Carrey when it's like oh no, bud, get in line. Like that's well, like a generational thing. It doesn't discount it. Yeah, but it is like yeah, join the join the generation. I mean, I, like I don't know. I suppose like a lot of our listeners have somehow either seen you perform, Nick, or or know your shtick a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. a, I gotta say, like when I was watching last night, there is, it's baked into you a little bit. I, I, I don't know the if you, that's, anyone's ever that's, said <laughs> that's conscious or not, but uh, I'm telling you as a, from an outside viewer that that's my, my, I, no, hard agree. I really, really appreciate that. I, that is something I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm very like somewhat aware of like, yeah, the physicality and I mean, therapist couch, maybe we'll have like a supplementary sub supplementary episode to this episode where it's just like Nick on the couch and it's just me like opening the can of worms of like my comedic influences and why they are, why they are that kind of speaking, going back to like the VHS stuff and just like, you know, this is generationally baked into us, whether we liked it or not. And I did find myself watching it and laughing at it and rewinding parts on this viewing, wondering if kids today or, you know, people that were not born or experienced the movie for the phenomenon that it was at the time, how this looks or how this holds up. Because I have memories of watching Caddyshack or Animal House in middle school, high school with all of our parents just being like, this is one of the funniest movies of all time. Mm -hmm. And I don't I didn't like either one of those movies. I find myself like laughing and kind of like halfway through being like. I'm laughing because I've been told that this is a funny movie. Like, I don't think these are funny movies. And, like, no knock on Caddyshack or Animal House. I just think it, like, speaks to kind of the kind of fluidity of, like, what's funny and how it, if it lasts or if it doesn't last and kind of the shelf life of, of especially, like, big broad comedies. And so I found myself wondering if, if Dumb and Dumber is as timeless as I want it to be, we want it to be, how we think it is. Like, I, I'm curious about that, and I'd be curious to hear you guys what your thoughts on that. Are. We should have had like a twelve-year-old on the show <laughs> yeah. instead of Eli. Speaking of which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah, let me call up my four-year-old nephew and see what he has to say. Yeah, I, that's a very good question. I, I'm trying to think of like the older movies that I enjoy, or like what about those like make me laugh still? And it's usually like lot lots of hard jokes and mm-hmm. like maybe some physical stuff that like. You know, you know, the universal things like I'm thinking specifically of like Airplane, which is a movie that I think is very, very funny, but came mm-hmm. out, you know, 10 years before I was born. So like I th- in my mind, I want people, I want kids to like this because I like it so much mm-hmm. and I think it's so universally funny. But then I don't know. Yeah. When you when you now you know, now that you say that generally when I would watch something that my parents or an older generation would be like, dude, this is so funny. You got to watch this it wouldn't be that funny. I'm not saying it would suck, but it mm-hmm. wouldn't be as funny as like, you know, the stuff that, that was contemporary at the time. So I wonder maybe if you guys have something insightful as comedians to say about this, like, cause this doesn't seem like a current event movie. It's not like, Oh yeah, this needs like the context of 1994 to be funny, mm-hmm. but somehow I, yeah, I have to imagine that the two go hand in hand. Uh, Eli, do you have initial thoughts on this? Not really. I mean, I think that the only, I mean, there was like maybe two times that I noticed that it was 1994 in the movie. And that's just essentially when they're in Aspen, just the clothes that they wear that are fancy clothes. But even those are like kind of garishly fancy. Right, right. Yeah. Orange and uh, powder blue uh, tuxedos were very 1994. (laughs) JK. (laughs) 
or I mean like the ski suits and stuff like yeah. yeah where it's like oh these are fancy clothes and then the joke of Jim Carrey with his like tufted I don't know those yeah. like furry little ankle <laughs> yes. warmers yes I kind of to the timeless quality I'd like to think and I, I think physical comedy and the stuff that Jim Carrey brings to this movie because it is so unique it's not a hard written joke it's like what it's performative and it's from the performance that so many of the classic moments of this movie come i like to think that that is timeless physicality is timeless physicality uh is universal it's like you know the the i I would be interested in like like how popular of a comedy this is in 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 foreign countries because it's like the physicality element it's like yes this is a funny the laughs are 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 they transcend language, I like to think. And I like to think that that speaks to a timeless quality too. Okay, so here's something super interesting because you just mentioned, uh, Eli, the boots. And that reminds me of the hotel that they're at, which I believe is called the Danbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, do you know where I'm going with this? I do know exactly where you're going with this. but okay. I think I Please. also know where you're going with this. Yes. All right, let's just skip it then. Let's just skip it. Yeah. All right, <laughs> listeners, you know. Um, okay, so the Danbury Hotel is... Uh, the the hotel that they pull up to in the Ferrari and in which the bar scene and the staircase where he comes, Jim Carrey comes down in like the really goofy cowboy outfit on the staircase and the bar where he gets stood up. So that those were shot in a place called the Stanley Hotel, which is in Estes Park, Colorado. And the Stanley Hotel, uh, other claim to fame is that it was the hotel that inspired uh, Stephen King to write The Shining. It's the, it's the hotel that kind of, um, he wrote half of the book in a room. I believe it was in room 237 in the Stanley Hotel. And it's the hotel that just inspired the whole idea of what is The Shining, the book. Now, if we're going to The Shining, the movie, the bar scene, particularly in the gold room with Jack Nicholson and the bartender, and if we're going to compare that to the bar scene uh, where uh, Jim Carrey gets stood up, there's some nice similarities to these things when we consider that the gold room is a set, a constructed set that takes place in the fictional Overlook Hotel, which is based on the Stanley, and the Dumb and Dumber scene takes place in the Stanley Hotel, the hotel that the Overlook is based on. Uh, Jim Carrey's character's name is Lloyd, and he's the customer, and the bartender in the Shining uh, scene is named Lloyd. And it's just a really nice, it's it's like a very nice mirror, two v- nice mirror scenes where it's a customer who's just kind of lonely and being stood up and kind of uh, having a conversation uh, with a bartender who's trying to kind of console him a little bit uh, and give him some wisdom. I feel like that th- there's like, f- because there's like five connections there, it is such a cool little moment and kind of thread that's shared between these two movies that I've always loved. And I, I also even con- to connect it even further, there is a Jack Nicholson's performance in The Shining and Jim Carrey's performance in Dumb and Dumber is very, there's a garish quality. There's an over the top quality to it, especially in the facial features and the cartoonish, demonstrative nature of the performances and I really really love those connections between those two movies I'm sure if you wanted to to jump into it you can you can find some more because I also feel like and I'm just totally spitballing here but I also feel like some of the shot composition is similar Mm. especially the the coverage of of Jim Carrey in that bar so yes. it was funny because i was like this bartender is sure talking a lot <laughs> like he's they shouldn't make a big deal of this uh bartender that doesn't have anything to do yeah, for, for people curious you can check out my insta stories because i posted an insta story that, a while ago that compares them and i'm very proud of that insta story because it's very visual <laughs> cool let's talk about the legacy of this movie because this is a movie that huge at the time and i think has only solidified its place in the zeitgeist it's technically qualified when I, you know looking it up on online it's technically it qualifies as a you know having cult status which i think as we talked about before in the podcast has many can mean many different things but this like this is a uh, as th- th- this movie is firmly lodged in the zeitgeist uh, currently with quotes with scenes as a reference point what, what what do you guys have to say about the legacy of this movie what do you think what do you uh do you think it's justified do you think it's waning do you think it'll be around like tell me i don't know i think people are aged it's it's in it it's just like a part of us like i, te- I was texting with like a friend and you and had never talked about dumb and dumber or any or movies period before and texted like a gif of like lloyd spraying the uh <laughs> mouth spray Panaka, yeah yeah out and immediately was understood yeah so like it's just you can talk about it to anyone ages 25 to 40 probably and they'll know exactly what you're talking about and yeah 
And I, it, for me, it held up tremendously. I was cracking up. Like, I'm like, I was like, oh, okay, I got to watch this movie, uh, even though I know I like it. But I was like, I feel like I've seen it so many times. But I was cracking up just about every three seconds. It was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Max, what, what are your thoughts? So the, the film is, it was super successful when it came out, but it does have this afterlife. And I feel like a lot of the films we talk about are a little bit more of like an either or sort of situation. It's like, it's weird to have a cult classic that did 280 million at the box office. Yes. Great point. Did. Yeah. Great point. So it does have this sort of dual life. What struck me is like just how many like little like visual references my friends still do. Like my friend Jimmy always like wipes the blood off the side of his lip, you know, in the in the in the dream sequence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, shout out Jimmy. Been a long yeah, time since I've seen Jimmy. Jimmy. Love Jimmy. Yeah. But but besides that, I mean, it's like almost, it's so saturated into, especially like when we were in college, like into like the language that you, that I even forgot that it, it was like when I was watching this, it was like, oh yeah, that is from this movie because it's so alive in just people's, I don't know, behavior or like sense of comedy besides mm-hmm. that. It is it is like a really incredible thing when, and I've said this before on the podcast, but it's like, it's said that like if a, a movie can, like great movies appeal to the smartest people in the room and the dumbest people in the room. Now that may be like literal here and there may be a, a case to be made, especially with like quote unquote dumb comedies where what you find funny is 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 extremely specific to people's taste. But I will say that the, the uni- relatively universal love and, and enduring love that people have for this movie speaks to the quality of it. And like that's a... That is a sign of a great movie. I remember when we were in college, they when unrated versions were were huge uh, and becoming a huge thing for DVDs and movies. They released an unrated version of this movie, which I got on DVD, and there were it was weird because knowing the I mean truly knowing the rhythm and beats pretty intimately of the movie, like the second that a scene goes on longer than than it's uh, normally does, like you're you're aware of it. And there was like an added scene of like in the unrated version where you saw Seabass's loogie was the was the uh one of the added things and you got more of the um kind of beating up Jim Carrey in the bathroom the rape um, scene the the, the yeah, straight up rape scene truck stop rape scene and uh there was uh just kind of more it was like off-putting talk uh between Harry and Lloyd when they're sharing the love uh tub in that like shitty motel that was just like off-puttingly explicit like it was like and this is interesting for as funny and lovable as these characters are and as the comedy is in this movie, there are moments where it kind of like gets like, ooh, like, ugh. And one of those moments is when they're at the gala and Lloyd goes like, man, when I saw her, I just got that old fashioned romantic feeling where I do anything to bone her. Where it's like, that is funny, but it's also like, that's a different type of comedy that the and the movie does a very good job of not leaning into that too hard. Like that feels like that's just like a pepper in there. And that if that dial had been turned up just even a notch or two more, I think this movie would be less beloved because it is like kind of like, Ooh, okay. I, like I, I, I don't know. I want to watch that with my grandpa sitting next to I, me. Yeah, um, I completely yeah. agree that the unrated version, it's not as good. And usually I don't say that when it comes to comedies, but mm-hmm. it does, it's less like cute. And the characters are like, yeah, maybe there's some like good one-liners and kind of like crude humor is is in that unrated version, but like the whole thing suffers because of it. It's less cute. It's less endearing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like taking like the 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 like what is otherwise perfect for all intents and purposes, and like making it less perfect. Uh, also, shout out for being familiar with that unrated version. That's something I have heretofore for been. Um, very proud of like my knowledge of like, yeah, I'm one of the few people that um, saw the unrated version of Dumb and Dumber. I want to jump back a little bit because, you know, as I'm always the not fun one <laughs> when it, when it comes to recording, but I, I, I have a, some, some nitpicks. Yeah. I, I love this. this most recent viewing. Yes. And that that's not to say that I don't have a deep affection for this movie, which is mostly colored with the nostalgia you brought mm-hmm. up at the beginning. Mm-hmm that I remember countless times watching this, cracking up with my friends, quoting it endlessly, the mid-90s, blah, blah, blah. But 
I try when we do these deep dives, I try to sort of uh, uh, tamp that those feelings down and watch it with a more critical mm-hmm. eye. And um, there's some parts about this that don't completely work for me. I would say the biggest part is that it's like a buddy comedy. It's like a road trip comedy. Mm-hmm. But I don't completely buy their friendship. They're kind of mean to each other. And I kind of wish they <laughs> were like, I believe them as being better friends. Do you have this feeling at all? I, I don't. But as I've said previously, like it's really hard to watch this with any level of objectivity to that point. I mean, I, that's not something I felt in this movie. Eli, do you, do you, can you speak to this? Uh, uh, for me, the thing that was like, that didn't quite work with that was when Harry goes on the date with Mary mm-hmm. like that was like oh if they were great friends why would they do that and I guess the answer is so that uh, Jim Carrey can poison him with laxative mm-hmm. but like uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know that that was like the only thing I was like this is a really mean thing to do like I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that super bad is the gold standard of of buddy comedies but it is really effective at the end of that movie you know, mm-hmm. as mean as they could be to each other, you actually believe you're like that these two love each other. Yeah. And that gives you this like overwhelming sense of, I don't know, warmth, satisfaction. And even though their comedic timing is great and dumb and dumber, it leaves something. And this could be the script too. This could be the writing, but something didn't click on all cylinders with this aspect of the story to me. I, I can get behind this. I can definitely get behind this. I think it's like, from my perspective, it's such lightning in a bottle, this movie, because it, as we've said previously, like so much of the comedy and so much of what makes this movie great is the performances. And to the point of like how much of that was in the script is is really hard to tell from watching the movie. And their friendship, yeah, I guess like they are mean to each other. And it, there isn't, yeah, when they're walking away into the sunset at the end of the movie, it's not necessarily, I would not describe it as like, like I'm not feeling warmth or like love. It's like what's great about the movie is the moments of it and the characters and I, it, it, kind of a moment that sticks out to me that I cracked up at watching it this time is like when Harry throws a salt shaker over his shoulder, hits Seabass and Seabass, you know, is like, what the hell? Who threw that salt shaker? And, <laughs> Lloyd is just immediately sells out Harry like pointing to him and then cowers away is so goddamn funny but it's also like damn like that's quote that's maybe like you know that's pretty textbook bad friend territory they're too stupid to be loyal right but at the same time like loyalty is like you know like if we're looking at these like dogs like they loyalty <laughs> is a is a, a trademark one of the few redeeming qualities now that I think about it though like I think most of the great scenes with, where each of them has like a chance to shine are not when they're together it's like when they're each doing their own thing you know yeah because it's not yeah i mean i i think i totally agree with you max that they're and and eli where it's like the the relationship isn't one of it's not warmth and friendship even though they are friends but like a lot of the joy of the movie isn't like watching them express this to each other it's it what it is is watching these like two characters just do things and be like react to the world around them like two really insane idiots one way more than the other one's dumb and one is dumber <laughs> and and just react to like the, the the regular world around them and it's not necessary it's like they are together and i do i mean i do find it believable but again, it's like, why is that believable? I don't know. I would attribute that to like the lightning in a bottle chemistry of like what, is, you know, Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey. But yeah, I can't, I can't combat your point, Max. I think that's valid. It, I think the difference is that did doesn't get to me or that doesn't like take me out of the movie just because A, I just have such, such love for it. And, and B, I think like that love comes from the moments in the movie and the laughs that come from the movie. I had one other nitpicky thing I wanted to bring up and you two as as writers I feel like had to either either um, actively or passively notice this but it's like I just feel like you have you did catch lightning in a bottle with these performances mm-hmm. that you really had gold on your hands and the but the the way this movie wraps up is like so lazy <laughs> you know like as a writer of this film, there's three writers on this film. 
and you are now spending tens of millions of dollars to make it. And like, I don't know. I just feel like there's a way you can like write in there. Their dumbness somehow leads to the success or solves the case or whatever. But it, instead you have this sort of like deus ex machina FBI agent sh- showing up. Um, it, it's all just so circumstantial. I don't know. It's impossible to watch this with new eyes, but I would like to think that like the, the, again, we've been given so many laughs throughout this movie that it's like, yeah, I mean, that's like, it is lazy and it is quick. But yeah, why not? Like it, it's like a quick wrap up of like the boring parts of the movie. Yeah, for me, it's like yeah, the the plot of the movie is not the obviously not the point of the movie. Like the things that happen are a lot less important than like I don't know, like the steps. You know, yeah. like the the plot is very late. It's an overture of this. It's not like the meat of the movie. You know, so it's like a almost an afterthought of like. Yeah, like the whole movie is to set up these jokes and these bits, and then the plot is a thing to just make it coherent at all. And mm-hmm. so the fact that it, it's like they, I'm sure they barely spent any time on like the things, you know, the the things that moves the uh, story forward. And so that when it gets to the end, it's just, and also it's a movie called Dumb and Dumber, like it's a dumb movie. So it's gonna wrap up in a dumb way, I guess. I don't know. Also, the the uh, in terms of quotes from this movie. Sure, yes, Big Gulp All Right is huge. And- okay, so that's one that like, like Big Gulps? So that's one that I had never noticed before, but like it, it, I, it destroyed me this time. <laughs> Big Gulps, huh? Yeah, all right, see you later. That was so yeah. fucking funny. Yeah, really. I'd never noticed that. That is life. like the the quintessential. That that's the line. If someone's like, "Give me a line from Dumb and Dumber," that's the one. That yeah, really. Yes, that's it, really it, interesting it, that you say that. Like, absolutely, and I feel like it's a lot. So there's two things here. I'm really surprised at this. That that to hear your this. I've like, never the, noticed it once in my life. Because I will say for the first like 15 years after this movie's release, that's not something that was like a quote. It wasn't like an Anchorman quote, you know, how Anchorman was quotable mm-hmm. the year after. Big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. I didn't become a quote to me until like the 2010s when I started hearing people say it, which is really interesting. I don't know if that's just like my like weird, weird experience. Like, but so it's interesting to hear you because like watching it this time, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's become like an Anchorman level quote, which really? is like, really wild to me. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not too plugged into that stuff. I also maybe think that <laughs> that that it may be uh, a little more basic to be quoting mm. it. So maybe interesting. You're wrong. It's good. Yeah, you're too sophisticated. I mean, I was like, I'm going to start that, saying right? that now, but maybe I won't. No, the, man. The other I, line that I'm going to start saying, which I also never know, is a couple of bowls of loudmouth soup. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> that really stuck out to me this time, too. I'm like, damn. A couple of bowls of loudmouth soup, please. I'm going to... Start saying that, hey, you guys want to get together for a couple of bowls of loudmouth soup? That is, that is insane. That is insane to say that. Um, also, uh, we got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off. Is something yes. that still, my family is huge in my family and gets a laugh every time, no matter who says it, uh, is so goddamn funny. But I will say, going back to the bikini bus, is the greeting of, hey, allez au pont. Is something I say, me and my sister say, that's how we greet each other. Oh, wow. Basically, I would say 95% of the time we we, uh, we see each other or initiate a text is, hey, Ali Opan. Oh, also the guy outside the phone booth was a scene that I do remember but forgot. But it, for some reason, tickled me. I didn't like when he got punched out. I didn't like the ending. But just that it's just a trope <laughs> of like a guy calling his, a mobster calling his boss from like a phone booth. And then just an annoying, hello. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's on the phone still. Okay. Yeah. Some of us want to use it out here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he just turned his, oh, well, I almost like it. Yeah. Um, I believe that guy, that guy is a comedy writer. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, for sure. He's in mid nineties. A staple in sitcoms for sure yeah. there's a everybody loves raymond episode where he played a guy who raymond yes. was like uh, uh like offset because he talked uh he sounded so similar to right. romano yeah. which is a pretty good bit yes i i, I also a point i kind of want to make to going back to like the believability of the friendship and the lightning in a bottle quality of this movie this movie spawned uh, an animated a short-lived animated series Whoa. a saturday morning cartoon i didn't um, know that Here's a fun fact. Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all had cartoon spinoffs. The Mask lasted kind of long and, like, I think holds the yeah. biggest chance of, like, yeah, having memories of it. But Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber also were, had, like, one season, maybe two season runs as Saturday morning cartoons. 
that were regarded, I think, as, as pretty bad. And Dumb and Dumber had like the prequel and the sequel. The prequel, nothing to do really with Jim Carrey or Jeff Daniels, but the sequel certainly did and was poorly reviewed. And I saw it once and it wasn't that great. Was it a bummer? It just wasn't like memorable. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're certainly giving it their all. But it just speaks to like if you're looking at these Harry and Lloyd as characters and as uh, and as the story, it like really again, going back to the script, I don't know like what that looks like. It's not that's not what is the classic element of this movie and why this movie has endured. It really is in the performances of it. And like lighting a bottle of like even a sequel, like. 20 years later, like that was, it, it's kind of a sad sort of like trying to mm-hmm. trace, chase the dragon quality to it where it's just like, this is just, it's, it's ground zero. Like it's there. The X factor is there for this movie and it's, and it's, it's how to the earth. Yeah. It really, really did. And in that way, that's just like, yeah, I, I don't know how you make a, a perfect comedy, but uh, it requires an X factor and this movie. Got it. And, and, and it's attempt to recapture it are kind of futile. Like just let it, let it lie. It's great. Warren Sane, even though it's obvious, zero Oscar nominations. <laughs> just just to bring it back around to the to, to kind of the headline of our podcast. But what's the what's the main actress's name? Holly uh Lauren Holly. And is she the most beautiful woman of all time? Because uh, I think I was watching this, I was like, maybe this is where I get my idea of what beauty is because <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, it didn't. It it's impossible f- that it didn't influence that yeah, yeah. because we all saw it young. Yeah. So Jim Carrey and Lauren Holly had a short-lived marriage uh, around the like. I think it's like a year or less than a year around the filming this movie. I believe they met filming this movie. Um, and doing some research, I, I it Lauren Holly was on a show called Picket Fences, which was huge around this time. And I hmm. think kind of her position was like, this is a gorgeous actress who is like has has like a ton of heat mm-hmm. um it is it is like sad to me that like jeff daniels and jim carrey like are as present as ever still and yeah. lauren holly i truly i watched a uh a, a hallmark netflix rom-com recently and lauren holly is like has oh, a wow. supporting role in it and it and it's yeah it's a, it's a little like it's kind of a it's a bummer to yeah. like that that uh well yeah i mean she also plays like the straight woman in it for sure, you know. So there's less. Uh, I feel like there's less of a uh, a ceiling for that role, even though she's really good in it and she's kind. Of, she's funny. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the chemistry for sure. It's also <laughs> funny that apparently she loves idiots because she was really charmed by both Harry and Lloyd. Yes, <laughs> I was just like, I guess you just like dipshits. I don't know. <laughs> uh, in in the vein of like wanting to see like offshoot movies to successful movies, I would love to see a movie that is uh, uh, Mary Swanson and her husband, who we don't know at all, what their relationship is like, like in the aftermath of this. Like, who is that dude? Like, who is the, what profile of a yeah, woman who just like, do, and like what did he do to warrant getting kidnapped? I have no idea. No idea. Although I will say the actor who plays the bad guy is an SNL alum. He was like on for a season and famously got uh, fired for he dropped an F bomb live. Oh whoa! Um, which is really interesting. And Terry Gar is in this movie. I saw Tootsie for the first time recently, and she's like great. I wish she was kind of in this movie more. Mm. And Harlan Williams, the cop, uh, was Rocket Man. Was Rocket Man, and he, I, I believe, if they didn't go with Jen, Jeff Daniels, Harlan Williams was the other. Oh, really? Candidate. Yeah. I also heard Nick Cage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, like I heard Robert Downey Jr. and uh, there, there is a wild list of like uh, who else was considered or was top choices mm. for this movie. Well, here let's. We've been doing some talking points lately, and mm. uh, talking point is this the best comedy of the '90s in your opinion? Uh, I will say yes. I will say a hearty yes. Uh, for its rewatchability, it's a rare, clear, clear choice for me personally. Like it's like rewatchable. It holds up. Uh, it has so much meaning to me. But even nostalgia, attempting to remove nostalgia, I think personal quality that is comedy. Uh, it hits every note for me, and I think for for my observations for a one of the broadest audiences you you can uh like i have very intelligent friends just just like anyone in my life likes this movie (laughs) very dumb friends very dumb friends (laughs) 
this is, yeah, it's just like, it's a reference point. It's a huge movie. It's rewatchable. It has endured. And I think, uh, you know, Jim Carrey, it's almost inarguable. I would say that he, I mean, he's certainly one of the biggest comedy stars, uh, especially of the, if we're just talking about the decade that is the nineties, he's, he, he's I, for my money, number one, uh, just in terms of like him emerging and being the nine, being nineties comedy. And I think this is his best comedy from not only that decade, but I would say of all time, I would say this is like the top funniest Jim Carrey movie, which is really saying something. So for me, I would say, yes, this is the best comedy of the nineties. Eli, what do you think? It's hard for me to say yes, because I'm trying to think of what other movies. I mean, I think the the, the word best is so weird. I think it's maybe the funniest comedy of the I can't. I don't even know that. Yeah. Uh, See, we're trying to get some. We're trying to get some edgy uh, content here. You I'd know? say like maybe some edgy tied, sound bites. I, I mean, up there for when I was a kid, it was like this was a big one, and then Austin, pa- the first yeah. Austin Powers movie, was way way up there. So yeah, um, and I think that that's maybe more of a well rounded movie just because of the emotional aspect is like a little bit realer. You know, I don't yeah. know, like. So I'd say maybe them are one and two, whatever order you want to put it in. And I'm sure after we press stop, I'm going to think of three more that are like my favorite. I was a big, sure. uh, big daddy fan. I think that came okay. out in 99. Yeah, it's hard to say. But I, th- I mean, it's de- if it's not one, it's two or possibly three. I mean, but like it's, it's, it's top two. Yeah, yes, it is the best comedy of all time. <laughs> gotcha. Not only Thank that, but you. it's the best movie I've ever seen. Gotcha again. <laughs> Sound off in the comments, listeners. Uh, Max, where's the place for you? It's you know after this most recent viewing, I was um, I was swept away by nostalgia, but it there's some there's par- some parts that are a little bit flimsy mm-hmm. in my opinion, and I wasn't yucking it up the whole way through, and uh, I can. I can pretty confidently throw, um, as far as 90s comedies, Something About Mary, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Happy Gilmore, The First Austin Powers, Office Space, uh, ahead of this one, I think. You put Black Sheep ahead of Dumb and Dumb. I love love those two movies, Black Sheep and and Tommy Boy. Those Those might be my number one, honestly, like... Though those I think have a lot of the f- the factors we're talking about. Well, if two movies can be number one, factors. if two num- new movies can be number one, then I choose Austin Powers, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, and both those movies as my number one. So, <laughs> uh, I will say there is a conversation we need to have about Black Sheep because that is uh, of Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Black Sheep is my uh, favorite, and we. I need to we rewatch talk- that. I haven't seen that. I also need to too. I, I will say this is like coming from a uh, eighth grade sleepover. I remember so. when I saw. Yeah, it was. I watched it at a funeral. They put it was a wake. There was a wake for this guy, and they put the, all the kids in a room. And we oh, put got on, you. I thought maybe he like sheep. loved black sheep or something. No. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Um, also, there's a conversation to be had of uh, doing the binary of Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, which we yeah, can get that's, into. You guys should do a special episode about that. Okay, we'll get a sub sub. We'll uh, have you on. Happy Gilmore is another. Yeah, that's a, another one. Way, way, way up there. Yeah, yeah. and around like within a year or two of, yeah. of this like Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler becoming marquee comedy mm-hmm. stars is is the same exact time which is kind of a fun conversation also we didn't even get into the line in the sand that like uh, of my experience discovering uh, families that uh, friends whose families like weren't Jim Carrey fans which yeah. is like a big revelation of like man I live in a big world um <laughs> So, People have other views than me. Yes. Like, you mean, like, not only is he not beloved, but he's actually kind of hated in this family? Also, side note before we get out of here, but I'm a huge um, Siskel and Ebert fan, and the, their review for this is great because they're like, this is the first time that I've seen Jim Carrey on screen and not absolutely hated him. Love they're it. like, he's really, uh, they uh, they do admit that he's really good in this. I think they were still mm-hmm. split on it. I think Roger liked it and Gene maybe didn't. I could be wrong. I did uh, see Roger Ebert's quote that he uh, laughed embarrassingly loud at the dead bird to a blanket uh, uh, moment. And um, yes, they also shout out to there's a YouTube clip of Siskel and Ebert. They do a special in the late 90s about Jim Carrey's Ascension, uh, which is a really fun watch because they kind of like concede a lot of points of like love him or hate him. He's a huge uh, he's a huge Mm -hmm. star and has a lot of talent. Great. Well, uh, I, we could talk, uh, at least I could, and I feel like we all could uh, talk for a lot longer as usual. Not as usual. This is a particularly juicy uh, deep dive. So I, thank you, uh, Eli, for, for uh, being a part and contributing. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I've been... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. I wanted to do it. Is there anything you would like to promote, Eli, where uh, listeners can catch you or follow you? 
uh, you can catch Eli Coyote on Instagram. Oh, I just put out a little booklet of short stories. So if you go to coyotesampler.com, you can download it for free. I've uh, I've read it and it is uh, it it is really great. It's a great uh, uh, hilarious zine. So Thanks, definitely buddy. check Thank that you. out. So again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please be sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcast player if you haven't already, uh, and if you've enjoyed the show, leave us a good review. Uh, we we it means a lot to us, and it goes a long way to kind of just like helping promote the show. Uh, we would love to hear from you as always. If you agree with us or disagree with anything we've said here, or you have just your own random hot takes on a random '94 movie, or just any opinion on film in general, we we uh, we check our email actively and read everything we get. So be sure to send it. We can be reached at the Oscar went to at gmail.com and uh if you know we re- if you send in something that we partic- is particular resonant with us or or just we find to be to be interesting we'll, we'll bring it up and discuss it on an upcoming episode also uh if you have a film you'd like us to talk about from 1994 you can shoot us an email and uh let us know why you think it deserves a deep dive and we may just deep dive into that film eli thank you again for being a part of the show thank you uh max a pleasure as always as always thanks eli thanks buddy and uh yeah we'll uh we'll see you on the 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 next show